0: Welcome back to
1: Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. Um, And today we're going to be talking about a a really interesting story that you were telling me about uh, uh, where you came in and um, were able to uh, use some of the skills we talk about and um, get to a better result with a team. Can you uh, tell us about that story?
0: Absolutely. So I showed up at one of my clients this past week and i heard that the ceo had directed that the, the founder had directed a, a significant change so people were going to move from one team to another and this seemed a bit odd to me so i got the uh, senior technical leadership and the and the founder together and i said hey guys so so what's going on here and i particularly asked the founder cuz it seemed to have come from him this is a, a relatively small startup but uh, not not tiny and the uh, founder said, um, well, I, I went off to see one of our customers, and, and th- that story that he's about to tell about the customers hadn't been shared at all. What he had done is simply to say, um, move, move people from A to B, well, okay. and so others others were in execution mode. You're, so you're the first
1: person to actually ask, why, why are we doing this? It,
0: exactly. So I, I was very curious, wanted to understand that better, and I... Said so. So, what's the the reasoning here? How did you get here? And he said, "Well, I, I got this customer feedback, and it was horrible. It was the the worst customer feedback you can imagine." And he described this experience. I have to disguise a bit exactly what they do, but you could imagine that they're not a taxi company. But um, uh, the experience the customer described is similar to to what happens if if you, Jeffrey, or any of our listeners have ever called for an Uber or or a similar. Taxi that comes and picks you up, and, and there's that little map. Then it shows you real time what's going on. And this was a different real time feedback, but it was it was similar. And the real time feedback was wrong because okay. um, what happens when you call the Uber is it says, "Oh yeah, look, it's it's here. It's two blocks away and coming towards us." Oops, wait a minute, it's turned around. It's going the other way. Oh no, now it's coming back the other side of the street. Oh, now it's on the other street. Um, you know, oh, it's teleported across town. You're like what is going on here? Is this car actually coming to me? Of course, the experience you'd like to have is one where the real-time information is actually real-time and tells you physically possible information. Right. Like the, the taxi is two, five minutes away and three minutes away and one minute away and it's driving down the road. And and you look up and see it. Exactly. Yeah. You want <laughs> these things to match. And this customer who was expecting the service from the startup to be uh, be accurate was experiencing exactly the opposite. It's like the car just you know teleports around, goes in circles. You're not getting the right real time information, and so he he said, "Well, that's why I wanted to get uh, us working on what uh, this other team does, which is related to this real time information. Let's get this experience to be better." Right. Okay. And then, uh, so so then I I was more curious, and in particular, I was curious about the emotion, and I think that's the the main thing that. Uh, that I wanted to emphasize in this story is that uh, at this point I said, so how were you feeling when you walked out the door from seeing that customer? And interestingly, I was, it's a great thing about curiosity is you often get surprised. So um, (laughs) I was expecting an answer. Like I was feeling depressed or I was feeling angry or something like that. I was expecting that kind of response. And in fact, I got an interesting response. One part I wasn't surprised by, which is that the the founder didn't talk about his feelings. This is very common when you ask someone about their feelings. They don't say, I felt sad. I felt angry. I felt depressed. Hmm. Um, what he said was a, something like, well, I, I thought that uh, it was amazing that uh, we, we hadn't had a chance to um, hear this feedback before. Um, I, I just... Couldn't believe that was the case. And uh, then I also thought to myself, well, if we just put more resource on it, we'll be in better shape. Now, if you listen carefully, neither of those are feelings, right? One is, I couldn't believe, that's, that's not a feeling, and um, uh, uh, I, I thought we had an opportunity. That's not a feeling. Mm. Um, but I did what I often do in these circumstances, which is to try to um, figure out and confirm what the feeling was. And I, I came up with uh, isolated and hopeful and I, I verified with him. It sounds like you were feeling isolated. Like we're, we're out of touch and, and that we're, we're not getting information. He said, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, that you were also feeling hopeful that we could do something about it. He said, absolutely. Um, so that was very useful, uh, emotional, uh, data, uh, which we were able to use in the meeting. And what we did is we made a, uh, couple of lists on the whiteboard and we were trying to figure out things we could do that would help us to help the founder in particular to feel less isolated and to build on his hope. And uh, we came up with a whole bunch of options. Surprisingly, none of them involved moving people from one team to another. <laughs> they were all very different things about getting more information from, uh, uh, from customers finding out if this customer was the only one who had this real-time data, uh, problem, um, uh, finding out whether there was uh, opportunities to change operationally what we do or, or change what third-party suppliers did. There were there was a whole long list of things we came up with, but they were very different from what the founder had come back with from the customer, which was move people from A to B.
1: I, I love this story because it, 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 it encapsulates the kind of di- group dynamics that you can get here when when a founder is in a situation where they, they see a problem and they're like, great, we can, we can act on it. Everyone goes, Okay, and there's you skip this sort of dialogue, and then what I really liked about it was how your dialogue got into something that that is actually a part of, I'm familiar with from a nonviolent communication. They talk about receiving empathetically, so you listen to someone's story, and then you can say, "Yeah, it sounds like what you did here. It sounds like this is a feel a feeling that you might be having." Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, that I really also like the idea that you you can see how. Difficult it can be for people to name their feelings sometimes that that people tend to have a very um, narrow list of words they use around feelings and there's there's actually much broader uh, set of words out there, and even even the one you used isolated I think is one that people would be uh, unlikely to to volunteer without prompting um, for people who want to increase their uh, their vocabulary feelings. Uh, we'll link to a resource here from the Nonviolent Communication Center, which is a feelings inventory. And what's one thing is amazing about this inventory, when I've shared it with people, is it's a it's a really long list of of both uh, positive and negative feelings, and uh, people typically recognize and understand every single word on the list. Yep, but don't use them exactly. How many of these have you ever spoken aloud? How many have you ever heard? Or especially in a business
0: meeting, has anyone described themselves as giddy, or expectant, (laughs) or um, petrified, or uh, uh, anguished? Uh, You know, those those are not words that we hear in the in the in the meeting room very often.
1: Uh, That's right. And so what I what I like then is your, with your intervention here versus was your sort of curiosity about it, you know, help me understand what you're doing. And then to go further to say, well, you know, what did you feel? And then to actually listen for feeling words, uh, because I think this sort of the response you got of saying, well, I thought this and I thought not that is, is more typical. Yep.
0: And I was listening for him to use feeling words, but I had to actually, in, in the event, which is the most common thing, in, in invent some and then check them with him. Okay, so that sounds like you were isolated, like you, you weren't hearing the information. You were kind of stuck out there on your own. Yep, that was how I was feeling, and I could easily have got it wrong. He could have said, "No, that wasn't the feeling." That would have been even more useful,
1: uh, right? And and that would have been like another another type of surprise.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and so you, you have this opportunity here to be uh, uh, surprised of, and learn, which with the surprise is learning, and that was your goal, I think, was to learn. But first, why are we doing this? And then we, what once you uncovered. The sort of um, feeling, emotional content, the emotional signal that was in that person's experience, it, it generated new options for for the group.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was fantastic that uh, that we were able to think of something else because uh, it, it it seemed odd to to take that one action in isolation. When I heard this is what we're doing or this is what we're considering, I thought. But what about all the other things you could do? And what are all the reason? What's the reasoning behind this? What is uh, what triggered this? And getting that information allowed us to think of lots of other ways to address the problem. It's not unlike when uh, product managers are are very familiar with this. Somebody comes to you and says, "We need a new button. It needs to go here, and it needs to be purple." And um, whenever someone does that product managers I know, um, the product managers say, yeah, And yeah, well, what's the button going to do again? And why does it need to be purple? And why? And they come up with 10 other reasons, 10 other things that one could do to address whatever the problem is. But people tend to approach you with solutions rather than, uh, rather than uh, an understanding of the problem. And um, digging for the emotion is uh, one, one way of uh, finding out what those underlying problems are.
1: And I, I think the important is that you, you actually have content in the emotional signal. It 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 wasn't it wasn't like you were just getting a handy label and and it wasn't just empathetic for the point of supporting them, mm-hmm. um, but also that the actually there was real uh, information in it that that impacted what steps you took. Mm-hmm. And and we were
0: lacking that information to start with. We were operating in a vacuum. We didn't we didn't know about this customer visit, for example.
1: Right. Okay. Uh, I can see that someone might have said, "Well, that looks like you just this was I, someone I can mention." someone disagreeing with us. Because mm-hmm. the idea of bringing emotions into work conversations is something that I've had some people describe some resistance to. Yep. And and more than say, well, resistance. Like, that sounds terrible. I don't want to talk about <laughs> being wistful in a meeting. Uh, let's get down to brass tacks. Let's do some real work. I think that, that becomes our, our challenge then is to try to describe what Actually information content comes out here that it's not uh it's 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 not touchy feely for the point of being touchy and feely but there's actual uh, value in it mm-hmm. and that's
0: why I was uh digging for, uh, digging to for the emotional signal why I wanted to to boost the signal and get more information and uh turned out to work out very well here and the the company is now pursuing several of those alternative options that we put on the whiteboard rather than the only option which uh they were looking at when I arrived on that morning.
1: That's right. I, I think if, if the idea of emotional language is probably more comfortable I'm going to guess to people with a product background than uh an engineering background. And the, and the reason is, is I know that you're um, trying to understand customers in their world and uh even if you look at something like the the Kano model uh which is something that uh um, some product managers use to prioritize uh, what features are going to do one of the words that I really like uh, it, it is the idea of something that is a delighter. And that's, <laughs> if you have something in your product that is a delighter, that scene is a really good thing. It's something that not just does it meet expectations, but it sort of exceeds it. In a sense, I think your your story uh, can kind of be a, a, about something that was a potential uh, delighter, which is when when you do have that sort of accurate uh, information and you can you can walk out and find something as it shows up. Uh, Certainly the first time you experience that with your smartphone, it's a delighter. Well, this is fantastic. Um, What happens over time, though, is that we get uh, inured to uh, such delights and to become table stakes. They could become part of just the expected, uh, what you deliver. And this sort of loss of emotional resonance is something that is reflected in the model. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I think product people might be uh, more attuned to the sort of uh, decision-making value of, of emotions. Um, but even then <laughs> the, the, uh, there's a, a much greater, broader range, uh, of, um, feeling words out there. And, uh, and even though the same product people, when they come to the, to the, to the discussions, uh, they, they often are leaving their own emotions out of it. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to the uh, idea when someone can t- uh, show up and talk about how they're feeling rapturous about, uh, our <laughs> the next release we're about to do.
0: Fantastic. All right.
1: Well, uh, any any more on that, Jeffrey? Well, I think uh, I really appreciated that um uh, story, and I think that we have a surprising sort of uh, follow up from for this, which is uh how how you got into the position of asking that uh, in the first place. But I think we're going to cover that in our in our next episode uh, to say how you got in a position to ask this uh, uh, the CEO about about their uh, what feelings they had.
0: Absolutely. So if you want to listen to that, podcast, which is likely to be called something like mining for conflict, uh, looking out for, for where to find conflict, uh, just to give you a teaser. If you want to hear that, of course, the best way to do it is to uh, find us uh, next Wednesday when we release our our next podcast. And you can do that if you click the subscribe button in whatever your favorite podcast app is. Uh, you can also get in touch with us and ask us questions about emotional signals or our emotions or, or tell us your emotions and how you've used them or, or not in your experience. You can do that at troubleshootingagile.com, where you'll find email and Twitter and pretty much anything else we can think of to get in touch with us. We should mention, by the way, our book is coming out from uh, IT Revolution uh, in May 2020. So uh, if you're interested in the book, make sure to keep in touch. We'll announce uh, ways that you can get that uh, over the next few months. We're very excited about having a publication date. And uh, we'll be here next Wednesday talking about Mining for Conflict. Uh, Excellent. Thanks, Jeffrey.
1: Thanks, Coral.